Man, I'm warning you, I'm ready for you today. I said, I'm ready for you today. I want you to get your Bibles and go to the book of, jo of Joshua. I believe the Lord's going to say something incredibly significant. The Lord has brought you here. You're not here by accident, but you are here on purpose. Hallelujah. I've been teaching a series called Behind Enemy Lines. I started it on Wednesday night, and I, I went away from it last Sunday because I did the illustrated message, Accelerate. Did you enjoy Accelerate? Encore. Did you enjoy Encore last week? Just hundreds of people in the altars. It was so awesome to see folks born again. If you are able, I want you to stand for the reading of God's Word. It's just my custom. But I believe that, that it's time for the church to go behind enemy lines. In other words, we're not waiting for the devil to bring the fight to us. We're going to take the fight to the devil. Can somebody say amen? So we're coming here from the book of Joshua. If you're ready, just declare, I'm ready. Joshua 10, live streamers, I'm so glad you're here today. You're a part of my family, and I love you. Joshua 10, verse 8, verse 8. It says, And the Lord said to Joshua, Do not fear them, for I have de delivered them into your hand. Not a man of them shall stand before you. Joshua therefore came upon them suddenly, having marched all night from Gilgal. So the Lord routed them before Israel, killed them with a great slaughter at Gibeon, chased them along the road that goes to Beth Horon, and struck them down as far as Ezekah to Makeda. And it happened as they fled before Israel and were on the descent of Beth Horon that the Lord cast down large hailstones from heaven on them as far as from Ezekah, and they died. There were more who died from the hailstones than the children of Israel killed with the sword. Then Joshua spoke to the Lord in the day when the Lord delivered the Amorites before the children of Israel. And he said in the sight of Israel, Sun stands still over Gibeon and moon in the valley of, of Agilon. In other words, the sun and the moon stood still so the battle could be completed. And the sun stood still and the moon stopped till the people had revenge upon their enemies. Is this not written in the book of Joshua? So the sun stood still in the midst of heaven and did not hasten to go down for about a whole day. And there had been no day like that before it or after it that the Lord, listen, heeded the voice of a man for the Lord fought for Israel. Do you believe that if God fought for Israel, that same God will fight for you? Okay, I want you to look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, since God is fighting for me, here's what I want you to know. I win. Oh yeah, yeah, I win. And that's what I'm gonna teach today, I win. Where are the winners in the house? Are there any winners? All right, slip up your hands. We're going deep today. Father, release your anointing, release revelation, release power in Jesus' name. Somebody shout amen. amen. Push your neighbor and say, I win, I win, I win, and be seated. I want to zero in on this chapter as I teach this from this series, Behind Enemy Lines. I want to show you that you are a winner. And I believe that it is time for the church to be on the aggressive side. 
For too long, we've allowed the enemy to be the aggressor. But how many of you believe it's time for the church to be aggressive against the kingdom of darkness? And hear me in this room. Israel, in this text, in this study, they are finally in line to possess the promises of God. They're at this place where, where they had been holding on to this promise for a long time, and now it's about to come into fruition. I wonder if there's somebody here today, maybe you've been holding on to some promises from God for a long time, but you feel like in Jesus' name, this is my season where promises of God are gonna manifest in my life. Let me hear from you if that's you. Okay, that's half of you. I said, let me hear from you if that's you. But here was the prerequisite. The prerequisite in place was this. The children of Israel were going to have to do their part. See, the promises of God are yes and amen, but you have to possess the promise of God. You're going to have to do your part. And what I love about this, what I love about this is these children of Israel, these Jews, they were ready to fight. And here's what I know. You know you're serious about your promise when you're ready to fight. When you're ready to fight for your children, fight for your education, fight for your future, fight for your freedom. When you're ready to say, devil, I'm ready to fight because I want to see everything God has promised me come to pass in my life. And watch this. What I love about this story is the children of Israel, they, they, they started the fight. They initiated the fight. They didn't wait for the devil to start the fight. They didn't wait for their enemies to start the fight. They started the fight. And I want to serve hell notice. I want the devil to know something about Calvary. At Calvary, we're not going to wait for the devil to start the fight. We're going to go ahead and start the fight. I'm, I'm starting to fight for the schools around here. We're going to start a fight for the next generation. How many of you want to start a fight with the devil and say, you can't have my sons, my daughters, my destiny, my future? The prerequisite was this. The children of Israel will have to do their part. And for you to possess your promise, you're going to have to do your part as well. God has promised it to you, but there's always the faith that you have to step out and say, if it's mine, I'm going to have it. Now, now it's so amazing to me that the children of Israel, if you study this text, there were five kings that had to be overcome. There were five kings of the Amorites, and, and all these kings were powerful and resourced, and they had all of, this, all of this available at their hands that they could use against the children of Israel. And though, they, though the Amorites seemed to have money, wealth, influence, and they could marshal armies, God was not on their side. And when God is on your side, hallelujah, you're going to win. Praise the Lord. Now, now here these kings are. That they've risen up and there's five of them. It's amazing to me that there's five. Somebody say five. Because the number five is, is really incredible if you know anything about biblical numerology. In the Bible, the, the number five represents something. In the Bible, the number five represents man's ability because man has five senses. He has five fingers, five toes. If you study the Word, it points to man's ability, but also throughout Scripture, the number five also points to the grace of God. You see man's ability, but right there also in the Bible, you see that, that, that the number five points to the grace of God because there's four Gospels plus 
plus Acts. And when you put that together, that's five books which can be read and understood that, that we can see there the birth of the church and the beginning of the church and the revelation of Jesus. There was an apostle in the Bible who spoke greatly about the grace of God. He was the, the, the disciple that Jesus loved, John, and he wrote five books. In the, in the tabernacle, the, the holy anointing oil was composed of five parts, and, and the number five runs all the way through the tabernacle. And if you know anything about the tabernacle, that's where the children of Israel found mercy and grace in the sight of the Lord. So the number five represents man's ability, but watch this, it also represents God's grace. And as I was studying this, the Lord spoke to me and he said, rise to do what you can do. But when you have done your part, know that this, this, know this, God's grace will provide the rest. See, you rise to do what you can do. You, you accomplish everything you can accomplish. Come on now, how many of you understand? We have to use all of our abilities. We ha have you ever had times when it took everything you had to get everything done you had to get done? You had to use all of your abilities, all five fingers. You use your fingers, you use your toes, you even use your toenails. Come on, somebody. You used everything you had to get everything done you had to get done. But then there came a point when things were beyond you and you did what you could do, but then what you could not do, the grace of God came in and did on your behalf. Can I prophesy to somebody in this room? God's about to lead you into the next season where you're gonna do everything that you can do in 2017, 2018, going into this new year. You're gonna do everything you can do, but I'm gonna tell you, when you get to the limitation of your own self, you're gonna find out that God is going to finish everything that he promised in your life. Can I say this? You're going to go behind enemy lines and you're going to engage in righteous warfare and you may start it, but somebody say grace is going to finish it. Somebody give God praise for the grace that's going to manifest in your life. Let me hear from you if you believe that. Come on. Now, they were these five kings, these jokers that had to be overcome and had to be taken on and Israel had to initiate the fight. And the first king was the king of Jerusalem, and he has quite a name. His name is Adonai Zedek. Now, now this king, he was the ringleader. Seemed like there's always a ringleader, come on. He was the ringleader that initiated the connection for, between all the kingdoms. And what makes this powerful is when you define his name. His name means my Lord, small l, not capital L, my Lord is righteous. And when I uncovered this, God showed me something very powerful because it wasn't the righteousness of Jehovah or the Lordship of Jehovah. The implication of this definition, it literally reflects the king saying about himself, I am the source and strength of my own life. I am righteous, I'm the Lord around here. I've got it going on. I'm the master of everything that happens around me. And what I see here, behind enemy lines, the Lord showed me, the first king that we're gonna have to overcome is the king of self-sufficiency. 
It's, it's the king of self-sufficiency that says, I don't need anybody. It's the, it's the, it's the self-sufficient man that says, I can do it all myself. I've got it going on. I'm strong enough. I'm powerful enough. I'm able to do it. I rely on my own strength. I rely on my own power. I rely on my own knowledge. But let me tell you something. There will come a place in your life when you will find out being self-sufficient is insufficient. You will come up on something that you can't handle. You will come up on a battle that you can't fight. You will come up on an issue that you can't deal with. You will come up with information that you don't know how to process it. Your children will encounter a season you don't know how to navigate them through. Can I talk to real people? You'll come up on some things and you'll say, I can't do this by myself. But here's the good news. When we are self-sufficient, we are insufficient. But in our insufficiency, we find out that even though we are insufficient, El Shadow die is all sufficient come on make a little noise if you're going to depend on an all-sufficient God hear me in this room the, the, the Bible bears no finer example of a people who relied on themselves and got in trouble than in revelations with the church of Laodicea it says in revelations 317 because you say I am rich and have become wealthy and have need of nothing they said, we are totally sufficient. We don't need anything. And here's what the writer said. You do not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. It's unbelievable here because this city was affluent and wealthy. They thought they had it all and there was nothing they could not handle. They were self-sufficient. They thought they had it, they, they thought they didn't need anybody's help. They were self-sufficient. And it amazes me how many people sit in church and they are blinded by themselves and they think that they can handle it themselves. And they, they think they can make it themselves. They think they can climb potentially to the highest level by themselves but I'm standing before you today I've been coast to coast the last few weeks preaching the gospel I've had so many doors open I flew in last night from Ohio the Lord has been using us in great ways but the more I travel and the more stages I stand on and the more victory I see in this house last week was an indescribable week of people being saved and born again I've come to realize I'm not doing this in my own sufficiency. I am insufficient, but God is all sufficient. Listen, you can do what you can do. You can manage what you can manage. You can accomplish what you can accomplish. But how many of you want to get connected to a power that will transcend your weakness, that will bring strength into your weakness? It will bring, it will bring ability into your inability. You are, listen, you, what you possess will never be able to get everything done you need to have done. I've watched people when they, when they finally seem to make it financially, they stop trusting God. Can I say this to you? You are limited by what you have when what you have has you. Oh, nobody's saying amen much. Let me say that again. You are limited by what you have when what you have has you. 
See, to go behind enemy lines in your own sufficiency will prove to be a grave mistake. We want to go behind enemy lines with an all-sufficient God. I declare in this next season that somebody's going to go behind enemy lines. You're going to possess everything that God has called you to possess. And right now, you don't see how you can do it, but an all-sufficient, all-powerful, all-knowing, all-life-giving God is going to come behind you. He'll open doors you can't open. He'll make ways that you can't make, make. He'll move mountains that you can't move. He'll create opportunities you can't create. Somebody give God praise if you're ready for God to move in an all-sufficient way. So the first king that had to be conquered was the king of self-sufficiency. But then there was Hoham, king of Hebron. Now, now this, this really came alive to me in this study. I, I was studying this at 35,000 feet. Come on. So I was closer to God. Can I get a witness? But, but he's king of Hebron. Now, I'm going to get real here for a moment. Hebron, if you define the word Hebron, Hebron means association. It literally means the people that we are attached to. The root word for the word Hebron is, is defined as the charmer or the spellcaster. If you study it, the etymology of the word, the word Hebron in the first phase, it means association. But you trace it a little further, it means a spellcaster or a charmer. And the Lord awakened this in me. It got so powerful to me because he showed me this is why you and I and people like us who want to live the supernatural life, who wants to live the supernatural life? Okay, that's about 20% of you. I said, who wants to live the supernatural, victorious, abundant life? If we're going to do that, we have to guard our relationships. We have to be careful about those we are in association with. Because, listen, the enemy will literally use the people you are connected to to cast a spell on you. Oh, I'm about to preach this. The enemy will use the very people that you are connected to, to to charm you and cast a spell on you. People we are in relationship with, if we're not careful, they will cast a spell on us. And we will live in fear just like them. We will live in limitation just like them. We will live in compromise just like them. Preach Pastor Rayleigh. We will live in doubt just like them. We will live in sin just like them. If you want to know where you're headed, just take a picture of whoever you're hanging out with because your close associations are a snapshot of your future. Oh, because here's what I've learned. Association breeds assimilation. Those I associate with, I'm assimilated into their way of thinking. And see, uh, don't sit out there and act like, well, he can't be, he can't be speaking to me. <laughs> He can't be talking to me. Let me tell you something, baby. I heard it all my life. Birds of a feather. Ain't it the truth? Come on, if everybody's around you is a hoochie. Where y'all at? Everybody around you making booty calls, y'all ain't saying nothing to me. Everybody around you homosexual, I wish, I, I'm, I'm gonna go ahead and get down and amen myself. If you wanna know who you are, check who you're running with. So many people are under a spell. Gossipers hang together. Liars hang together. Womanizers hang together. And you see, it's the smell of wrong relationships. And I've come with a word today. It's time to break the spell of wrong relationships. Somebody say break the spell. 
Come on, somebody shall break the spell. You say, Pastor, I can't do it on my own. I got too much invested. I've got too much in it. I'm in too deep. I would say to you, break the spell. I just got too much in it. I got too much invested. I cannot do it. Hear me. I have a word for you. The king is the king of Hebron. His name means friendship, our association with someone who has me under a spell. I'm in a relationship with somebody who's kept me limited. I'm in relationship with people who have kept me bound. I'm in, I'm in relationship with people who have kept me down. I'm in relationship. They treat me bad, but I stay with them. I wish I could find somebody that would say amen. I'm in relationship with people. Have you ever been in relationship and you felt like you were under a spell and you say, but I can't break it, but, but I was defining this king's name. He was king of the spellcaster, but his name means this. His name, Hoham, it means who Jehovah impels. It's the one that Jehovah deals with, impels like a sword. And let me tell you something, maybe you can't deal with it. Maybe you can't handle it. Maybe you can't break it. But let me tell you, he's able to kill what's killing you. He's able to replace that need that you have for that relationship and cut it off. See, see, you need Jehovah to break the spell. Somebody say, break the spell. If it's limiting me, God, break the spell. If it's a wrong relationship, break the spell. I know she's fine, but break the spell. I know she looks good, but break the spell. I know he looks good, but break the spell. Yo. Listen, I know you've been homeboys since y'all was growing up, but break the spell. I know you want to be in that relationship because you're comfortable there, but break the spell. I know you've been homegirls all your life, but break the spell. There comes a point where you have to say, listen, you ain't going where I'm going, and I ain't staying where you're staying, so something's got to shift. Did you hear what I said? You ain't going where I'm going, but I ain't staying where you're staying, so something's gotta shift. Somebody shall break the spell. Break the spell, break the spell, break the spell. You better give God a praise. I need more in here. Break the spell, push two or three people and say break the spell. My life has gotta count. I gotta climb. I gotta be more, break the spell. In fact, if you're here and you used to be tied up in relationships that had a spell on you, I want everybody that's ever had any spell broken off your life of wrong relationships, go ahead and give God a crazy praise right now. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, thank you. That's you broke the spell, God. Man, ain't that preaching. I said, isn't that preaching right there? How many of you are glad that God is able to break the spell? Hallelujah. Now, see, see there are times when what you have is holding you from what you need. The very relationship you have is holding you from the one you need. Somebody say, break the spell. Break the spell. Now, watch this. Now, now I'm, I'm gonna really preach. I haven't been preaching yet. But now I'm about to bring this thing. Because there is Pyram, king of Jarmouth. Somebody say Pyram. Oh, now religious people, 
If you get mad, my email address is pastordone at calvaryfl.com. If you, if you define the word pyram, pyram means this, you ready? Like a wild ass. I said like a wild ass. Don't get religious on me. Don't you get mad at me, it's in the Bible. Not just an ass, but a wild ass. It's one thing to be an ass, but it's a whole nother thing to be a wild ass. Cause an ass is stubborn. But a wild ass is stupid. It's one thing to be stubborn, but do you know anybody that's stubborn and stupid? Can I get it? Oh, now let me take a minute and talk to all the wild asses in the house. Oh yeah, there's some wild asses come right up into second service today. I need to, I need to take a minute and speak to the wild asses who are living stubbornly, wild and out of control. It amazes me how many people want to live wildly, do their own thing, live without restraint, compromise, treat people bad, behave unrighteously. These folk want to live like a wild ass and then get mad because God won't bless them. Yeah, 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 yeah. They, they want to live like a wild ass and they get mad because normal people don't want to have nothing to do with them. Oh, preach Pastor Rayleigh. I want to tell you unless and until you get your wild ass submitted to the Lord, you and your wild ass are going to stay in trouble. You need to preach Pastor Rayleigh. Oh, see, 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 I know y'all think all the wild asses came to first service, but there's about four or five sitting around you. Look around and see if you can figure who the wild asses are. Come on. There, there comes a point where you got to grow up, where you got to mature, where you got to stop doing the same things that you've always done that have left you limited and frustrated and say, God, take me to the next level. Grow me up. Change my life. Transform me. I need to be used by you. God ain't going to bless a wild ass. who's stubborn and crazy. Some of you have been in relationships with people who are stubborn and crazy. You need to loose him and let him go free. Can I get a witness? Loose her and let her go free. Some of you are frustrated right now, but your own behavior, your own decisions will limit your ability to possess everything God has called you to possess. Huh. So here it is. Hoham. He's king over Jarmouth. But if you define the word Jarmouth, this revelation gets even thicker and more real because Jarmouth means the height or the high place. And I say this in love. I say this because I care about you. And we're laughing, but I'm serious because I'm speaking to you from the heart of a father. You will never get to your high place if you live like a wild ass. God is calling you to the higher dimension. God is calling you to the higher place. You will never rise until you learn to live with submission before the Lord, until you learn to live with consistency, until you learn to live with discipline. You can't live like hell and, blame, and claim the blessings of heaven. Oh, I'm, pre I'm preaching better than you're letting on. How many of you wanna rise? Make a little noise if you wanna rise. 
I said, come on, let me hear from all the people who feel like there's another dimension from your life. Somebody give God praise if that's you. The truth is, there are behavior modifications that have to take place in the life of a believer. Sooner or later, what we say we have and who we say we are needs to manifest in our lives. And if you've been saved for 20 years and you're still acting like the wild ass you were when you came forward, this is why you are stuck and you are not climbing higher. It's when you renounce that old man and say, I am not what I used to be. I'm not going to make the decisions that I used to make, but I am rising up and I am climbing higher. I prophesy that in 2018, there are people in this room who are going to climb to the next level. If you're ready, receive it right now and give God praise. Here's what I learned, honey. As long as I was cool being who I was, like I was, the Lord was going to leave me just like I was. But here's what I've come to understand. Your life will never change as long as you're willing to stay the same. Write this down. Transformation precedes elevation. Did you get that? Because God won't let you get somewhere you're not ready for. So he will change you to elevate you. Ugh. How many of you can say, Lord, change whatever you got to change in my life. Just don't leave me where I'm at. God, if there's things in my life, if I act like a wild ass, come on. If I'm still getting mad, still getting upset, still getting frustrated about things that happened 20 years ago, God, wash it out of my life. Transform my thinking. Don't let me think like a, pa a, a pauper. Don't let me think like I'm, I'm defeated. Let me think like I'm a child of the Lord. Let me think like I'm a new creation. And my, my transformation in you will bring about elevation in my life. Then there was a fourth king that had to be overcome. The fourth king was Japhia, king of Lachish. Now, I really love this because this is a powerful revelation here. The word Japhia, it literally means shining. Somebody say shining. To me, this is the most beautiful part of this text because it means the person who shines. See, I want to tell you something. God didn't create you to be dull. He didn't create you to be boring. He didn't create you to be barely existing. He didn't create you to be dark. God created you to shine. And see, the devil doesn't want you to shine. Your haters don't want you to shine. People around you are, are afraid of your shine because your shine elevates the fact that they ain't shining. It brings to pass the reality that they ought to be shining, but they're not shining, so they feel like if you, if you ain't shining and they ain't shining, then you, you're both okay. And then when you start shining, they start throwing shade on your shine. But here's what I know. People only throw shade on what shines. Can I get a witness in the house? If you weren't shining, they would leave you alone. But because you started to shine, they're going to throw shade. So you got to learn to deal with a little bit of shade. If you're going to shine, you got to learn to deal with the talkers and the sayers and the mouths and what she doing now. She got to car now she they see all that he she worshiping the lord now my lord i see don't come to the club no more just deal with it baby because you can't stay where you are and get to where you're going god called you to shine tell your neighbor i'm ready to shine 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm ready to see my family shine, my children shine, my future shine, my church shine. Somebody give God praise if you're ready to shine. Mm. Hallelujah. I said, hallelujah. Oh, where you at? I want all the people that's ready to shine in 2018. Make a little noise in the house. I'm having a, I listen, I'm going to have me a great 2018. I'm going to have me a victorious 2018. Power, death, and life is in the tongue. I'm going to have so much joy in 2018. I'm just declaring it right now. Who's going to shine in 2018? Well, yeah. But here's what you got to know. We shine like the moon shines, not like the sun shines. Because the moon is not the source of its own shine. Oh, hear me in the room. See, see, the moon can't shine. The moon can only reflect the shine of the sun. And see, you get jacked up when you try to shine with your own shine because your own shine is actually very dull. Your own shine can't bring light anywhere, but when you reflect the light of the sun, the S-O-N, the Son of God, when you re reflect with his light, you can shine. What does the moon do? The moon lights up the darkness. Have you ever been outside when there's a big, huge moon and it's so bright you can actually see everything around you? Let me tell you something. That's what's going to happen in the next season because we live in a dark world. These are dark times. There's racism, immorality, unrighteousness, hatred, bigotry. All this mess is going on in America. But I declare to you that Washington ain't going to fix it. I said Washington never could fix it. They can't fix it. They won't be able to fix it because Washington is not able to fix it. Let me tell you, Congress can't fix it. The White House can't fix it. The governor's mansion can't fix it. Con Listen, Congress, Congress. What's the opposite of pro? Con. What's the opposite of progress? Congress. Can I get a witness in the house? Y'all ain't saying nothing. We've been trying to get political agenda to fix what only a shining church can fix. How many of you are ready for the church to rise up in America and deal with the problem? Oh, I need somebody to give God a praise. Say, Pastor Randy, what are you about? The elephant or the donkey? I, I'm not about the elephant or the donkey. I'm about the lamb. Hallelujah. I'm about the lamb. And the lamb of God that takes away the sin of the earth. You know what will fix the darkness in the world? When the church shines like she's supposed to shine. In this next season, realize this. You are the light of the world, the Bible says. Jesus said it. And a city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Look at the word light. If you define the word light, it's a very powerful word because it doesn't just to be, mean to be an illuminator. It, it doesn't just mean to be a light, but it means to be a light bringer. It means wherever I go, I bring light. Wherever I'm at, I bring light. Wherever, wherever, what, if I go anywhere, I bring light with me. See, we think that light is only for church. 
We think light is only when we're in the house, but can't nobody see you when the light is on. We all light up in here. Everybody worshiping, everybody praising, everybody laughing, everybody enjoying the word. Almost everybody, a few of y'all are asleep, but I ain't gonna call you out in front of every. But it's not hard to be light when you're in the church, but this is not where you need to shine your brightest. When you get out there in that school, young person, that's when you need to shine. When you get to that workplace, that's when you need to shine. Somebody make a little noise if you're ready to be light in these, in these next years, in this next season. See, with God's help, we're gonna reflect the light of Jesus and we're gonna chase the darkness away because a dark world will never be illuminated by Christians who don't know how to shine. Push your neighbor and say, shine, shine. Don't let the haters stop you, shine. Don't let people who don't want to hear about Jesus stop you, shine. Don't let anybody steal your worship, shine. Don't let anybody steal your praise, shine. I want a church that knows how to shine. I want to hang out with people who aren't ashamed of Jesus. Let me hear from you if you're ready to shine in the next season. We're going to shine at BCU. We're going to shine at Mainland. We're going to shine at Embry-Riddle. We're going to shine in our neighborhoods. We're going to shine on our jobs. Hear me. This king is the king of, of Lachish, and, and Lachish, if you transliterate that from the Hebrew, that word means invincible. Listen to me in this house. Understand me. The name speaks of having a power that cannot be overcome, power and grace that cannot be overcome. And let me tell you, when you start shining for Jesus and you realize who you are, even though you may feel invincible, you may not feel invincible, God is invincible. Go behind enemy lines carrying the power of God who is invincible, a God who has never lost the battle. Joshua 1.5 says, No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. When the Lord is with us and he's on our side, y'all, we can shine. But the fifth I want to show you today, the fifth king was to burn the king of Eglon. The burn means this, it means the sanctuary. It means the place of God's manifested presence. It's a place of God's presence, but it's also, if you, tra if you trace the word in etymology, you'll find out it's also the place of the spoken promise. So it is the place of presence and the place of promise. In other words, the promises of God are realized in the presence of God. Isn't it amazing how many people are trying to possess the promise of God, but they have no desire for the presence of God? They want everything God has to offer, but they don't want to contend with his presence because his presence causes us to transform. His presence causes us to change. But I'm at a place in my life where I must have the presence of God. I can't come to church where, where, where they just have a song service. I can't come to church where they just go through rituals. I can't come to church where, where you don't feel something. I've got to have the presence of God. I'm rowdy because I want the presence of God. I, I worship because I want the presence of God. I clap because I want the presence of God. Some of y'all here know what I'm talking about. You came into this room today. You came into this place today needing an encounter with the Lord God Almighty. You are a worshiper, you are a praiser. Listen, don't be surprised when you sit by folks and they can't handle your desperate pursuit of God. Have you ever sat by the wrong person 
person, you begin to praise God and they get mad about it. Their hiney gets tight, they get upset. But you sit by the right person, when you say hallelujah, they'll say hallelujah. When you say won't he, they'll say make a way. Come on somebody. Maybe you're sitting by a hater this week but find you another seat next week because you didn't come to see them anyway. You came to have an encounter with the Lord. But watch this. The promises of God emanate from the presence of God. So you maintain the presence of God, not just in this building, but you ha have the presence of God when you are committed to his presence outside this building, and then you claim every promise. How many can declare that in 2018, you're going to have the presence of God in your life, and you're going to claim every promise of God? If that's you, let me hear from you in the house if you're ready for that. Psalm 1611, you will show me the path of, of life in your presence as fullness of joy. At your right hand there are pleasures forevermore. Now watch this. We want the fullness and we want the pleasures, but they're only found where? In the presence of the Lord. So this king, he is king of a place called Eglin. Now if you define Eglin, Eglin means calf-like or bull. It means a cow. So, so, so here's what I'm trying to show you. If you study your Bible, you'll find out that cows represent prosperity in the word of the Lord. That when people had cows, when they had a lot of lifestyle, a lot of livestock, they had a lot of resources. So cows represent abundance. I wonder if there's anybody in the room today who would like to step into a season of abundance. Have you ever been broke? I'm talking about really broke. I'm talking about broke as a joke. I'm talking about broke, broke, brokeity, broke, 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 broke. Come on. Did you like being broke? Some of y'all say I'm broke right now. Well, I'm praying a blessing on you. But do you like being broke? Do you believe it's God's will for you to be broke? Do you believe it's God's will for you to struggle? I believe that it is time for the people of God. I've been broke before, and I've had resources before. And let me tell you, it is more fun to have enough money to pay my bills and then some. Oh, where are y'all at? Well, praise the Lord, I had a breakthrough. I had just enough to get my hair done. God is so good. I, had, I got this weave. I put it on my credit card. That ain't your weave. You'll weave $200 and you're going to pay 19% compounded interest on it. Every That is not your weave. I believe God will give you the money to pay for your weave in cash. Hallelujah. I'm trying to tell you, I, we need to claim abundance in the next season. Not just enough to meet our needs, but say, God, I believe in you that you will bless me in such a way that I can bless your kingdom, I can bless people close to me, and I will have more than enough. Shout if you're ready to go behind enemy lines, you're gonna need resources. To do what Calvary does, it takes resources. And we gotta have some people that will rise up and claim God's blessing. Are there anybody, is there anyone in this room that will claim the blessings of the Lord in 2018? So, so here it is. Now y'all gonna have to pray for me. 
because when I wrote it down, I said, I can't say that. But I figure I already been calling out the wild asses. Some of y'all say, I wish Pookie was here. Pookie, glad you're here. Come on, somebody. <laughs> the name represents cows. Cows represent abundance. <laughs> I was saying, God, I'm going to step in a new season of abundance. And then I said to myself, I'm not just going to step into a new season. I'm going to step into a moo season. Look at you, David, say moo. Oh, y'all can't handle that. Look down the road and say moo, moo. I, I cracked myself up in the plane. I'm singing, it's a moo season. And it's a moo day. I dare somebody who's ready to step into a moo season. You know, every new season isn't a season of breakthrough. Every new season isn't a season of joy. And sometimes a new season unleashes new hell. But in the name of Jesus, my next new season is going to be a moo season, and I'm going to have more than enough. Are you with me in the room? All right. So here's what happened. I'm lining up. I'm landing this plane. I got 24 seconds, so I'm not going to make it in 24 seconds. We veteran just a little bit. Watch. When these kings, they, 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 they concerted to come against Israel and deny Israel their promise, they were overcome and the kings fled and they were placed in a cave. And what happened in that cave, they were come up upon by the children of Israel, their warriors. He sent word to Joshua, what do you want us to do? Joshua said, just roll a stone in front of them. Get them up under control and get back in the fight. Do what you're called to do. Get in the fight. Well, we haven't conquered them. That's okay. You got it under control. See, the enemy will tell you you can't do nothing for God till you conquered everything. But what you have to do is just get it under control. Oh, my, my, my. Get the stone in front of it, the stone that the builders rejected. Get Jesus between you and that attitude, you and that problem, you and that behavior. Who would admit today that maybe you hadn't conquered everything in your life, but there's some things at least you got it under control. Make a little noise if you got it under control. So he said, I'll come back later and I'll deal with them. So here's what he did. He came back later after they had routed their enemies. And here's what happened. Come here, Anderson. He had all these kings lay head to head. This is your job right now. I don't know where Judah is. Oh, I got to get my glasses on. Judah, come on. But you get to be the, yeah, yeah, the other way. I might hurt you for that. Here's what they did. Watch this. So, he instructed all five of the kings. He's holding on to me so I don't crush this boy. To take their foot. He instructed his captains to take their foot and put it on the king's necks. And there was powerful symbolism to the children of Israel. And they were saying, what used to be over me, now I'm over. What used to have power over me, oh, where y'all at? Now I got power over it. Is there anybody in the room that can say there's some stuff that used to be over me? 
but now I'm over it. Get on your feet and thank God for everything that you've got underneath your feet right now. Oh, I got that depression underneath my feet. I got that addiction underneath my feet. I got that past underneath my feet. And I'm over what I used to be under. Touch your neighbor and say, I'm over what I used to be under. I'm over what I used to be under. Now watch this. Here's what the Bible said. So it was when they brought out the kings to Joshua that Joshua called for all the men of Israel and said to the captains of the men of war who went with them, come near and put your feet on the necks of these kings. And they drew near and they put their feet on their necks. Then Joshua said, do not be afraid nor be dismayed. Be strong and of good courage for thus the Lord will do to all your enemies who you will fight. I dare somebody right now, if you know you're a winner and God is gonna do this to your enemies in the next season, one, two, three, give God a praise. Text three people and say, I win.
the weapon is, I want you to know that I win. No matter what the weapon is, I want you to know that I win. Hey, no matter what the weapon is, I want you to know that I win. See, I think we're at a place now where we got to get real. I'm not impressed too much by hermeneutics and homiletics and exegetics. Come on. People that are so deep, they're shallow. And people in the pews are struggling. And they are losing when God has called them to win. Some of you have been held hostage in wrong relationships. You've been held hostage by wrong behavior. The enemy has convinced you that the good is the bad and the bad is the good and the wrong is the right and the right is the wrong. 
If you're here today and you're struggling, that's the beauty of Calvary. We welcome struggling people. They can come into our church with any kind of baggage in the world and still be loved. Come on. They can be accepted when their behavior is unacceptable. Did you get that? And then when they find the redeeming power of Christ and realize, man, I've got to change the way I'm living. I've got to change this lifestyle with the help of Jesus. But here's the truth. Lost people don't have trouble being accepted in the club or in the crack house. Where's the church that will say you got issues, but come on in? We're going to love you no matter what. That's what Calvary is. I'm about to have to jump in my car. I've been preaching all week long. And I've got to be in Fort Lauderdale in just a few hours. And I'm driving. Actually, I'm not driving. I'm sleeping. Somebody else is driving. But here's the deal. I wouldn't run out of this room without giving you an opportunity to rise to be the winner God has called you to be. There's no mountain he won't climb up. No shadow you won't light up. Mountain you won't climb up. Coming after me. Just you, John. Just keep it real easy. Come on. No wall you won't kick down. Lie you won't tear down. Coming after me. There's no shadow. There's no shadow you won't light up. Mountain you won't climb up.
I break every wild behavior that you've been participating in that's kept you from climbing higher. I break every dark thing off of your life that has kept you from shining. In Jesus' name, I break the spirit of self-sufficiency off of you right now. And I declare that you will win as you conquer all these foes, you will possess your land with heads bowed and eyes closed and no one looking for just a moment. If you're here and you'd say, Pastor, there's things in my life that ought not be there. There's things that separate me from the Lord and but even now I sense that he's in this room. Even now I sense him dealing with me and I've had my issues. I've had my problems. But I want to get it right today. If you're not where you need to be with the Lord, when I count to three, raise your hands. Are you ready? Pray for me, Pastor. One, two, three. Slip that hand up. I had my problems, but I want to get it right. Hands in every section all the way up in overflow. I want you to take your hand and put it on your heart and pray this prayer after me loud and strong. Stop by Guest Central and see us when this service is over. Come back Wednesday night. You're going to get a powerful word. We love teaching on Wednesday night. Hold your hand on your heart and pray this after me. Pray, Heavenly Father, in Jesus' name, thank you for your love. I couldn't earn it. I don't deserve it. But you gave it anyway. Cleanse my heart. Make me new. Forgive me for all my sins. My wild days are over. My new season is here. I claim abundance. I claim abundance and peace and joy. I receive you fresh in my life. In Jesus' name. Now reach over and touch your neighbor's shoulder. I release the favor of the Lord over you in this next season. I declare, come on now, you ready? Not just a new season, but as you apply the principles that I've just taught, a new season. A new season. A season of more than enough of what you need. Depression's not going to swallow you up. Anxiety's not going to swallow you up. Poverty's not going to swallow you up. Whew. Glory to God. It's a new season. A season of abundance. A new season. In Jesus' name. If you receive it, give the Lord a praise right now. Are you glad you came? Stop by in the back and see us. I'm dismissing you today. I love you so much. God bless you.